0: Last week, I hoped to speak with you a little bit uh, about a fresh revelation on the fulfillment of all righteousness. We didn't get there. The Lord did something completely different. But today, I I have some notes. I'm gonna try to stick to them for a little bit. I'd like to first put up on the screen, if we could, the scriptures from Matthew, chapter three, starting in verse 13. Matthew three, starting in verse 13. Now. The question that I'm going to ask you is what I sent out, and that is, what sense did it make for a a sinless Jesus to be baptized into repentance, right? Repentance is what? Repenting from the way you were to become something better, something new. We understand from Paul it was a 180. He completely went the other way, and we'll touch on it for a moment. But it's a question that opens up a lot of understanding to us if we just don't Slide it off it says then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him notice stop real quick he didn't go to just be a spectator and see what was going on he didn't go there to endorse John he didn't need to the father had already endorsed John he didn't go there to try and learn something from John because he knew it all from the beginning of time but he went there. He went for one spe- uh, specific purpose, to be baptized, to be baptized. Question is why? And we're going to get into that for a moment. He answers it, but we don't understand it unless we understand it. And John tried to prevent him. John basically said, this is inappropriate. I know who you are now. He had revelation at the point, even though he waffled at different times. And even though we know John was his cousin, even though it's very evident that they both probably had to escape into Egypt for a short while as the edict went out to kill all the little Jewish males, the Hebrew males, two years and under. They had to go hide in Egypt. And we understand they played together, evidently, because his mother and John's aunt were close. They were family members. They probably had Passover together, they went to temple together. So they knew each other, but he didn't have the revelation of who he was until he showed up there. But he had a confusion saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. Now, think about this, John's entire purpose was for that moment. His entire purpose was for that moment to be the one who prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. And now the Lord comes. And the Lord comes to him at the place of his ministry. At the place where he is doing what he was called to do. To prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. He says, I need to be baptized by you. But yet you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him. "In one of the words In the the King James says, suffer it. Suffer it. But in essence, as we get it into this translation, it says, permit it to be so now. Permit it to be so now. Emphasize now. Now is a moment in time. Now is a specific moment in time. If I tell you right now to mark what time it is, that moment will be frozen forever. That's the moment. It will never again, as time clicks on, be that same moment ever again. That second is history. But not for Jesus. That's one of the hints. Not for Jesus. He said, suffer it, permit it to be for so now, for thus it is fitting for us. Notice he says, for us. He's now including John the Baptist, but he's also including all of mankind. He says, now it is fitting for us. He's identifying himself as man. This isn't him saying, I'm God, I don't need this, I'll never sin, I haven't sinned, this is beyond me. No, this is us. How many of you know in ministry or in any kind of counseling, in teaching? How about in in parenting? How about in just relating to people? How many of you know that the skill is to become that person and to be able to relate to them in the place that they're at? Nobody wants to be talked down to. That doesn't work. Typically that just repels somebody. It does me, I don't know about you, right? Somebody's talking down, I just, Frank Flesh wants to smack him in the nose and Frank Spirit says, See ya. Bless ya. We don't like to be talked down to. So Jesus is right away relating as man. He's taking his position and office at a moment in time right now as man. Two finite things man, time, he's relating to. For thus it is fitting for us, us, to fulfill. All righteousness what fulfill all righteousness I mean John who had sort of come into a pattern right his ministry was a pattern they came he called them sinners he cursed the Pharisees and the Sadducees he, he wasn't really concerned about trying to build a church he wasn't trying to receive donations he had one purpose to be out in the middle of the desert preparing a way in the wilderness for the coming of the Lord and so for him, he wasn't really sure what it meant to fulfill all righteousness. Nor was it for any believer, Jew at that time, or believing Gentile, and there were some, to understand fulfill all righteousness. How do you fulfill all righteousness? We'll get into that in a moment. And then John the Baptist permitted it to be so. We know as it reads out that he baptized Jesus and the moment he came out of the water, the spirit descended as a dove upon him and from that moment on, he was anointed in the fullness of the spirit. There was a transformation. There was a switch, a shift in time, in a moment, in a moment, a shift in time. And so Jesus who up to that moment basically was in the shadows, in the shadows waiting for his fulfillment to come, his time to come, that he would then begin to fulfill all righteousness. That was a shift. There was a shift in that moment of time of righteousness. Righteousness pre-Jesus baptized, him, righteousness post-Jesus baptized. Let's get into it a moment. You say, Pastor, why is that important? Because if you can grasp the power of a moment in time, if you can grasp that that moment does not restrict and does not identify you, if you can grasp that your moment is followed and secured by many, many more moments that fulfill righteousness, you will begin to walk in a, in a spirit that's stronger than you've ever walked into before. Jesus didn't just randomly do this. There was a reason why John protested and Jesus said no do it we must fulfill all righteousness unto him so my question to you is this why was it important to Jesus few questions how did he do that and what is righteousness in this context what is it to understand it we need to first of all look at the fact of what was righteousness, how was it defined up to that point? It was defined as filthy rags, I'm gonna give you a little hint, up to that point. But yet, the Lord had a process. Even though he knew that that process wasn't going to solve the sin problem, he had a process. So we have the Adam and Eve, right? And we know there's a sin problem that starts there at that point. Now Adam, who represents species man, both male and female, he and, he and Eve, made in the image of God. He lived to be 930 years. And in that 930 years, we really don't have an accounting of any kind of sacrifice or offering. I know there are those who said, well, the first sacrifice must have been the animal that the Lord made the skins out of. We don't know that. We don't know if the Lord sacrificed it. That, that's all actually mystical Judaism. And you know, it it sounds nice and it sounds great and somebody said it could have been a lamb, but we don't know that. It could have been a bear, ate a dog. We don't know what happened. But this, we do know that 930 years of recorded time, we don't see any situation of an offering unto the Lord. We don't see an offering unto the Lord. We don't see something that's trying to establish fellowship and relationship with God. And then in that period of time, Adam had a son, his name was Lamech, L-A-M-E-C-H, and he, by the way, lived to be the amazing age of 777. There was a handoff that went from Adam to Lamech. And in that handoff of 777 years, it's significant because it's a shift in time. It's a shift in the transformation of a form of righteousness. And from Lamech to Abraham, we have that span of time. And finally, we see the institution of some form of offerings. The one we know the most was when the Lord told him to put the offerings of the bird and the animals on the ground and then came forth and had his own sacrifice, where he made a covenant with Abraham, a covenant that was instituted by God on one side and God on the other side foreshadowing what Jesus would do for us, making a covenant, Jesus on one side, God on the other side. We really had nothing to do with it except to be murderers, right? Our participation was sinning. So we see that there's about 4,000 years, possibly, from Abraham to Jesus, and in between, we get the law, and then of course the prophets. And in the law, there was an attempt that God put forth a way for there to be a temporary solution for righteousness. A temporary solution for relationship and fellowship. Now, let me ask you this question. Was the law to serve species man at the time or was the law to create relationship and fellowship for the Lord at the time. Think about it. Because it didn't accomplish salvation. It didn't accomplish forgiveness of sins. It didn't accomplish a transformation of the soul. What it did accomplish was works in attempting to find some way, a portal, if you will. I sort of was thinking about this in the middle of the night. It was like a shrinking portal. Let me tell you why. Look at these offerings. If we go to Ezekiel chapter 29, starting in verse 38, and I'm not going to read all the offerings, we'd be here until tomorrow morning. But we go to Ezekiel chapter 29, starting in verse 38. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food for my offerings, Made by fire is a sweet aroma to me. You shall be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. Notice time. Notice time. Very consistent. At an appointed time, you shall do these offerings to me. To me. This wasn't God saying, I'm doing this for you. He said, you're doing this for me. Why? It's because something that E.W. Kenyon wrote a book, The Father and His Family. And in it, he said, the father so craved to have his whole family back that got disjointed and sent out with Adam. The craving of the father of his family. And so his heart was yearning because of his love. He loves so much. The father loves in a way that we cannot comprehend. He loves the wayward son, the wayward daughter. He loves the lost one. He loves the sinner. He loves the ones that abuse him. He loves the ones who refuse him. He loves them all. And and so we see that this love is conquering everything. And so the Lord gives a pattern, a daily offering. You could go to Numbers 28 if that's easier for you. Is it not working? Numbers 28 verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food, for my offerings made by fire is a sweet aroma to me. You shall be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. And you shall say to them, This is the offering made by fire, which you shall offer to the Lord. And he goes on, Two male lambs, in their first year, without blemish. Now, this isn't for every family. This is for the whole tribe, This is for all the people. If it was for every family, there'd be a lot of lambs missing all the time. This is the offering. Two male lambs in their first year without blemish. Now, how do you get a lamb without blemish? Some would say it's by chance. Some would say it's by breeding. I say it's by the Lord. The Lord would produce the two lambs without blemish That would be acceptable to him because he's what a faultless God and so he's giving them a description of how you approach a holy faultless God you don't approach him with second best isn't it interesting how people when they (laughs) when they want to get rid of something and they're too lazy to take it to the Salvation Army they want to give it to church Huh? I get that all the time. Oh, I have something I'm not using anymore. I'd like to give it to you. I say, how about you buy a new one and give us that one? What? Huh? People always want to give away something to feel good that they don't need or use anymore. But very few people, when you need a refrigerator, say, go to Lowe's, buy what you want, I'll pay for it. Oh, I got this refrigerator. Well, you know, the ice maker doesn't work and you can't put too much in it. It'll freeze in the back. But hey, I'm going to give this to you. We tend as people to want to give away used, old, second best stuff. Isn't it interesting that in Haiti, when we were going into Haiti and our ministry, Touch Heaven Ministry, had the largest outreach to Haiti from the eastern coast of the United States. A whole miracle we devoted our entire company, our entire life for one year, didn't we, Jimmy? Everything, we just dropped everything and did it. God just took it and moved it like crazy. We worked with the US Army, we worked with the major, all the major charities that there were, we worked with churches from all over the place, we worked with government. We had favor, we were putting stuff in, but wasn't it interesting that a lot of the stuff we got, we were too ashamed to even ship over. People were giving us their garbage. Clothes with holes in them, dirty clothes, old clothes, old shoes, stuff that didn't work, outdated food and beverages. And so a lot of our time was spent in having to screen through it. And I can't help but think about that as I look now and say, The Lord said, Bring me a lamb without blemish. You want to give? Give the best. That's why in this house, everything's to excellence of God. And and, and, and the the staff knows, the volunteers know, the one thing that'll get my ire is something that's not right in the church for God. I said, get it out, get it out. Now somebody meant well when we first started the church and they wanted to give us an old refrigerator and I, oh, well, okay, we got this old refrigerator and it only half worked. And about a month later, we were hauling it out of here. And I thought about that and I said, never again. We will never again accept something that's not right for God. Excellence unto the Lord. So the Lord was establishing a way for people to get an understanding of excellence unto God, even though in our own right we can't get there, we can't get to perfection, but we can practice, listen to me, we can practice excellence. You may not get to perfection. If you do, tell us all about it and show us how you did it. But you can do excellence. And every kind, it's a law of God, of creation. Every kind brings forth its own kind. If you do excellence, you pass it on, the next person does excellence. If you teach your your children excellence, they begin to do excellence. If you teach them order, they do order. If you allow them to just do whatever they want to do, guess what happens? That passes on. And pretty soon there's mischief attending, right? And so here we go. Here the Lord says, "Here's the things you're going to do at the appointed time. The one made by fire, the one lamb you do it in the morning. The other lamb you offer in the evening. And then you take a tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering, mixed with one, with a hint of pressed oil. I don't know if you ever made that. I made that offering. And you know something? It's amazing, the aroma that comes for it when you burn it on a fire. Even today, I'm not telling you to go make an offering. I did. I didn't know any better, but it had an aroma." And 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 it was just the Lord showing me a foreshadow of what happens when we offer unto the Lord. And so there was this aroma unto him, and he said, This is an aroma unto me. And the other lamb, you do that in the evening. And you do the other ephah and the morning grain offer that also, and do it with a drink offering. By the way, the drink offering, believe it or not, was wine. <laughs> Hard to believe. He said, you make some wine because that's what they had back in then. That was the daily offering. That was every day, every morning, every night. What did it accomplish? Not righteousness. It was a little portal opened up of relationship and fellowship with God. A little squeezing portal where the heart of the Father was warmed for a moment by his family out of obedience. But it didn't correct the sin problem. It didn't correct the fellowship that could be sustained. It didn't correct the relationship. All it did was create an opportunity, a small one. But it had to be practiced obediently every morning, every night, in just the right way. Just the right way. Don't bring the lamb with a blemish. Don't save the best one for yourself. Bring the best for God. But that wasn't enough. He said, okay, now we have the Sabbath. And the Sabbath in Numbers 28, verse 9... He says, on the Sabbath day, bring me two lambs without blemish and two tenths of an ephah, otherwise double it, mixed with oil and a drink offering. This is the burnt offering for every Sabbath on top of, besides, the regular burnt offering with its drink offering. So otherwise, you're still doing the morning offering, but on the Sabbath, we're going to double down. We're gonna double down, it's gonna be a little bit more. Why, because the Lord wanted the Sabbath set aside for himself. So now we see again a working towards righteousness that's not getting there. But it's in a moment of time. And then you have the monthly offering. And in the monthly offering, that's in Numbers 28, verse 11. At the beginning of your months, present a burnt offering to the Lord, but this time it's two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs, without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour, mixed with oil, the grain offering, da-da-da-da-da-da, do it, and also one kid of the goats as a sin offering to the Lord shall be offered, besides the regular burnt offering, and its drink offering. And in these, he gives an inference that some of this is for atonement. Some of this is for atonement. And we understand the Day of Atonement, right? But that's not enough. Now the Lord sets aside and He gives us, and we're not going to read them, an offering for Passover, special time, an offering for the Feast of Weeks, an offering for the Feast of Trumpets, and a Day of Atonement, and a Feast of Tabernacles. But none of this could solve the sin problem. So the law was given by God. At his own finger and then at the chisel of Moses the second time round for the purpose of a way to offer unto the Lord. But it didn't solve the problem. And it didn't satisfy the Father, did it? This could not solve the sin problem. We go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices or these burnt offerings or these drink offerings continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Very interesting, throughout all this time, there's a whole bunch of years, right? 4,000 years from this to that, here comes Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. The prophets begin to talk about a recreation. They begin to talk about something that's going to happen and change, even a Messiah, and there's gonna be a new heart, and there's gonna be a new place, and there's gonna be a new mind. They begin to talk about something they didn't fully understand because they didn't understand what it meant to not be able to get to righteousness, let alone what a pure righteousness was. They had no comprehension of it. They could only foreshadow what was to come. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. We look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Now this is again about a moment in time. This is a moment in time when Christ rose from the dead. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of now works in the sons of disobedience. He goes on and he says you were conducting yourselves in the lusts of our flesh. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us with. Because of his great love. There's only one factor that brings us the righteousness. It's the love of God. Nothing else. The love of God. Even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then we understand that the key To this new righteousness is Christ in you. So he was saying it's time, John, for us collectively to fulfill all righteousness. I've come to fulfill the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy it. I need to fulfill all righteousness. And you see, here's here's the key. We'll get back to righteousness in a moment, but I want to get to the other theme for you so that it'll bless you. Here's the key. Prophetically, Jesus was positioning himself as the Lamb of God, who would be and who would be made sin. At that moment, to John, when he said, you need to baptize me, he was positioning himself as the Lamb of God, but he was doing it also speaking In his relationship as man man to God God to man he was already beginning to mediate and he said it's not John you're not getting it. it's not because I sin and by the grace of God I'm never gonna sin I need to be the sinless lamb it's so that I can establish this moment in time prophetically for mankind prophetically understanding that there's a transformation there's a moment in time of repentance that brings life new. And so prophetically, what Jesus was doing was operating in a moment in time, but yet timeless. And the way I wrote that was, I said that the issue was that he was operating with a timeless mindset in time. Timeless mindset in time. Now let's ponder that a moment. If it's all we get, that's all we get. A timeless mindset in time. We are governed in our lives by time that never stops. Time is a blessing and time's a curse. There's a time for this and a time for that. We measure ourselves what we accomplish in a day by time, we measure ourselves by what we don't accomplish by time. Jesus himself said that there's 12 hours in a day and when you're in the light, you won't stumble, but in the dark you will. And in that instance, we allow time to govern ourselves it governs our own acceptance and the way that we assess ourselves ah I didn't really accomplish much today or man I wasted that year or this month is gone or boy I need to get something done while I still have time but Jesus didn't allow that time to get him how many of you know That we have instance after instance of Jesus in the Bible when he was late showing up on time. People were waiting on him. They got hungry. He had to feed them. He had the lepers and the sick people in the hot day of the sun waiting for his shadow to cast by. He was late. Jesus didn't care about time. Now, I'm not telling you to be late. I'm I'm a stickler on being on time because I don't think it's right for people to disrespect people and show up late. I just don't. And that's maybe part of the training I got from a colonel as a father, I don't know. But I'm stickler on time and about time. But that doesn't mean that that I want time to govern me. You see, I've had to begun to stretch myself. Those of us as we're getting a little older and we still know we have callings to fulfill, we wonder, is my time passed me by? Only if you measure it that way. You see, we can't allow time to put pressure on us. We can't allow ourselves to feel like we need to achieve and attain something in a measure of time in order to have worth and value. That shows insecurity and it shows us not identifying with Jesus who he was and how we are. Jesus was approaching a timeless mindset in a moment of time. We have to be baptized. We, me identifying with all mankind, sinners and unsinners alike, we need to be baptized. And what was his final command? Go ye therefore to all the nations, baptizing them unto repentance and forgiveness of sins. He even went a little farther, which is hard for us to comprehend, and those whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, not because you and I have the power to stand in his blood, but because he is in us and with us. That's the difference of the righteousness. The fulfillment of the righteousness wasn't the fact that there was a time when it was the law. The fulfillment of the righteousness is one with God, Christ in us. That fulfills the righteousness. Other than that, if there's any other approach to him, it's filthy rags unto the Lord. It's a garment. It's a garment that needs to be changed and he's willing to change that garment. He's willing to give us a new creation. He's willing to give us a mantle. He's willing to say that you have purpose in your life, your purpose is for me. And we heard the utterance of the Lord as we were worshiping saying, it's not about what you do or haven't done, it's about how are you with me? Are you making the time for me? Am I still your priority or am I number two, three or four? just very recently very recently i've been somewhat burdened and overcome with the fact that i need to begin to protect my time a little better for the things that i need to give to the lord because my first response when somebody asked me to do something is yes will you marry me yes will you come and do this funeral okay yes uh, will you write this for me okay yes will you come and stand in on this program okay yes but i realize now that that is squeezing time out of me and so i'm going to become very selfish with my time because i realize that i need to have that intimacy and in that time with god you know what my prayer is is that you do too you don't allow other things that have no weight in eternity to squeeze out your time with god Now, I'm not saying that will keep you from getting into heaven, but I'm sure it'll be a moment of embarrassment and regret when he flashed before us all of the idle time that could have done something else for God. Now, I'm not saying not to recreate and have a good time and to do those things, that's important. God gives us those blessings, but when that becomes more important than our walk with God, that's become your God. And guess what, that God will feed you all it will. It will feed your ego, it'll stroke you. You'll have other peers that want you to do it with them. You'll become a culture that's a counterculture out of church and out of relationship with God. And it will seem right until all of a sudden it explodes. If God loves you enough, it will explode. And so we see Jesus being timeless, in a timeless mindset. Now, I want to go forward to this. Hebrews 10:14 For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. We've dealt with this before, but I wanna pose this question to you so you can place yourself in the timeless mindset of God and his love. You see, his love is timeless. <laughs> his love is timeless, thank God. Adam and Eve, what happened to him? What happened to him for 2,500 years until the law came? He died 933 years in, his son Lamech died some years after, 777 years. The initial bloodline was being thinned out and diluted and spread about to different tribes and places. Then came Abram and Jacob and Isaac and all the prophets. What happened to them all? They weren't washed in the blood. Were they lost in time? Did they have to somehow earn or work a salvation back? What happened to them? What happened to them was that the timeless God encapsulated that moment in time when Jesus would raise from the dead. And we get a glimpse of it, and a lot of people don't like it and don't want to talk about it, or they try to say it differently. You know, there's those who say Jesus, when he died on the cross, he went right to heaven. He says, my Father, I commend you my spirit. If that happened, then all those poor souls that were down in paradise waiting are still there. Who's he that ascended but that he first descended? And there has to be a price paid for sin. So he had to pay that price. He had to pay that price for those who were going to come, those who were there, and those who were already gone. He had to pay the price for all sin forever. For every sinner. I don't like it, and I don't think it's fair that Jesus had to suffer the sins of Hitler. I don't like that. If I was God, I wouldn't allow Hitler's sins to be put on him. But God knew there was going to be a sinner named Hitler and that he wanted to give anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord a blessing. Thank God he loves more than we love. I could give you a whole list of people I think should be left off. Some living today, right? Not just history. Thank God he loves me more than others love me or I even love myself. Thank God for that. Thank God he tolerated me with patience in my moments when, even after I knew him, I made decisions that didn't prior towards him. And you know, we make excuses in those, don't we? Well, you know, Lord, the fact that I'm doing this, you know, there's a person there, they don't know God, and I'm the person they're gonna know God from. Okay. How many of you have had a lot of success preaching in a bar? I tried twice, got the live in daylights. Fought both times. You can't go in a no bar and start preaching, God. That's not the atmosphere, they don't wanna hear it. But we're gonna say, Lord, you know, if I go in there, I'm the only one who knows God, but I'm not gonna to conform to them, they're gonna to conform to me. Really? You know, why do I bring that up? Because we have to have a timeless mindset in time. Our mindset has to say, Lord, what's my calling? What's the ultimate goal? What am I here for? What's my purpose? How can I best serve you, not tell you to serve me in the best way I want to be served? We want to transform God into our image instead of transforming into his image. And, and by the way, I'm, I have the same issues you have with it. I'm not preaching down, I'm preaching at. We have to deal with it daily. Daily. And we have to really seek god what is the kingdom in what i'm doing and that's what jesus was doing he was saying john you're not getting it yet you're going to get it this is kingdom we must suffer this we must baptize me to fulfill our righteousness so that everybody understands that nobody's beyond it and above it and there's a transformation that happens. And by the way, the father says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased as he comes up out of the water, sinless, and the dove descends with all fullness of his ministry. Now that may not happen to you and me when we're baptized. There'll be a transformation, but it may not be as magnanimous as his was because he's the only one, but it's still a moment in time And from that moment on, he continued to walk with a timeless mindset, a timeless mindset. So we see 2 Corinthians 5.21, it's a foundation of this house. For he made him who knew no sin to be made sin for us, that we, that we, that we might become the righteousness of God. Now let me ask you a question. If you become the righteousness of God, is there any degree of righteousness left? No, it's all righteousness. Fulfill all righteousness. God can't be less in you than he is. Can't be, God can't diminish himself. God doesn't need to increase himself. He's all God, he's omnipotent, he's everywhere, he's everything, he's all knowing. God is God, he's the fullness, and he comes for one purpose, Jesus says, to give you abundance. I've come to give you life and life abundantly, not in small measures. And how do we restrict that? We restrict that by us not operating in the abundance of the timelessness of the moment that he gives us. When we realize that the timeless God is in us and you in him, then that means you're timeless. That's why we can scoff and laugh at death. Death has no hold on us. If you're afraid of death, begin to pray that fear to go away. What are you afraid of? Number one, the Lord knows the time. And when you're in the Lord, he sets your time. It's written in a book of life. I like the way he spoke to Aaron. He said, Aaron, your time's come, boy. He said, go on up to the mountain and be received unto your people. That was it, Aaron went up, boop, gone. He said, Moses, your time's coming. Get ready tell the people. And Moses said, well, Lord, we need someone to lead the people. He said, I got somebody, inaugurate them, lay your hands on them, introduce them to the people, but you're about ready to go. And he told him his time when it came. You know what I pray? Lord, tell me my time when it comes. That's a good thing to pray, right? And also know when it isn't your time. (laughs) <laughs> I could get on a plane. My wife's seen him many times, and I could be in a situation where there's storms and tornadoes and hurricanes. I say, ain't my time. So if you're with me, we're all good. Ain't my time. And when it is my time, I probably say, get, get away from me. I'm going to go on to my father's. You see, don't let time, if you get nothing out of this, Don't let time control you. Take control of your time. God is not in your time, time is in your God. Jesus knew that that moment in that time was far beyond the moment it was. He knew that it was the same thing as when the Lord said every moment, do your daily offering, do your monthly, do your Sabbath, do your atonement, do your Feast of Tabernacles. Do them all weeks, do them all. Those were moments in time, but they were timeless unto God. Because those who had the right heart, he preserved them to himself to when his blood set them free. And he conquered them. And he's still doing the same thing. He died in a moment of time. But if you had to be alive in that moment of time, you wouldn't be sitting in church today. He died in a moment of time so that all of time would embrace that moment for him. And if you're in him and he's in you, Now you're not gonna be able to do everything he does yet, but you can not stretch yourself beyond any capacity that you believe. You are not measured by your past. And you can't measure your future. All you can do is be timeless in the moment that you're in right now. And so that allows a lot of things to fall off of us. It allows us not to be as urgent It allows us to not to be impatient. It allows us to enjoy the moments in time that we're in and not to fear the future. The future is just another moment of time. The Lord already knows what it is. I don't have time to read you John 11. I'm just going to encapsulate it for you because it's another thing about Jesus understanding timelessness in time. That's Lazarus, right? Lord, you need to come. Lazarus is dying. Jesus was late again. He didn't care about time. It seems like any ch- opportunity he had, he laughed at time. Time, what? No, Lord, if you go this route, they're gonna arrest you and get you. Oh, don't worry about it. There's 12 hours in the day in the light. I'm not stumbling in the dark. This ain't my time. He knew. He walked timeless mindset in time. But Lord, you need to come. You need to come right now. Your best friend. He's your best donor. He's your buddy. He's your poker buddy. He's your friend. He watches football with you. You need to come. He's dying. Jesus says, I got other stuff to do right now. I'm in in this moment doing this. Lord, if you'd have come, he wouldn't have died. This death isn't unto death. This is unto life. I'm the resurrection and the life. He begins to not only declare to them who he he is, but he declares to time who he is. Now we're getting to it. You can take authority in the moment of time that you're in. You can take authority in the moment of time that you're in. Think about it. Think about that. Think about that. John, we got to do this so that we can establish all righteousness and show people now that they'll have authority in time because of my righteousness. I'm going to be made sin, and they're going to be made my righteousness. And when they're in time, time isn't going to own them. They're going to own time. They're going to do what they're supposed to do. And if they're obedient to the Father, they're going to accomplish everything that He's given them to do and more. Because greater things they shall do here in this time in this earth than I have done. And I will send them one who will teach them in all things. The same one who came upon me comes upon them. And walking in that spirit, you fulfill all righteousness. So, a couple days late, a couple bodies stinking, he shows up with Lazarus. They already put him in a grave. They'd given up, didn't even leave him on the bed for him to come and see. Stuck him in the grave where he belonged with a, something over it because it stunk. Lazarus, come forth! In time, timeless. Now, let's just deviate and have a little fun while we close. What do you think Lazarus was seeing and doing for those couple days? Hmm? Well, we know there was a paradise. And we believe that that's where the souls were kept, that were going to be saved unto redemption. Some of them came up out of their graves and were walking around in Jerusalem. And we know that through the scriptures, the holy scriptures, that he went into paradise and preached. I would love to have heard that message, and maybe someday we will. But I believe he's telling him the same thing that he told before he went there. I'm the resurrection and the life. I've come to give you life. Come on out of those graves just like Lazarus did. So Lazarus was there. In what is referred to as Abraham's bosom, right? The paradise. And he's probably talking to a few other ones there, maybe Father Abraham. And Abraham says, Hey, welcome, boy. Fresh guy. How was it like up there? Oh, it was Jesus was there. Who? Jesus. Who? Jesus. Wait, I saw him. I saw him when I was going to put the knife in Isaac. Is that the one? Is that the one who was the Lamb of God that I saw? And and it says, I saw that moment in John. Abraham longed to see that. Is that the one? And I oh yeah, that's him. Well, how come you're here? I don't know. He didn't come. My sisters were crying. They told me he was coming. He didn't come. Man, Abraham says, I've been here 2,500 years. You think he's coming? I don't know. But this is where I am. And then all of a sudden, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, whoop. And there's Abraham. How about me? <laughs> He's fresh feet. he had been here three days. I've been here 2,500 years. You made a covenant with me. What good is that? Boy, I'll bet you he ran to the Lord's feet when he preached to him on that moment timeless moment in time to paradise when all those who were saved all those who'd done the sacrifices all those who'd heard since the beginning of time were waiting for the Lamb of God and now to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord we don't go to paradise we don't we're not in a holding cell to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord he conquered death Fear and time time has its no hold on you. You're just transforming through when your time comes no big deal No big deal. I'll make a deal for you if you make a deal for me. I won't cry for you when you die You don't cry for me. How's that? We just celebrate Ah, if you go before me. I'm gonna be mad at you, and I'm gonna miss you But I'm gonna celebrate Your timeless journey amen Jesus showed us a timeless mindset in time and said, now's the time for me to be baptized. And for us today, the Spirit of the Lord is crying out, now's the time for you to walk in all righteousness and to understand the authority you have in the fulfillment of the righteousness of God. You have it all. You have it all. Time, you are not a slave to time. You have authority in time, amen? You're not a slave to time, you have authority in time. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the very word of Jesus. His own words were that every tit and tattle, every iota of my word shall be fulfilled and of the law. We thank you, Lord, that he's fulfilled all of that for us. We ask you, Lord, to give us the opportunity to walk in the excellence of obedience And in that, Father, to redeem the time as you tell us we can, not to squander it. And, Father, to begin to use our gifts in the fullness of what we have them to use in while we still can. Not, Lord, to earn rewards, but to be obedient children and for the blessing and the opportunity to serve you in the ways we can. We thank you for that, Lord. We bless you for that, Lord. Help us, Father. Keep us, keep us within the guardrails of what you call us to do. Help us, Lord, and be merciful, Father, as you always are, because it's by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.